Welcome to Wine Country Women with Michelle Mandreau, the podcast for wine enthusiasts who are curious not only about what goes in the bottle, but the remarkable women who make these distinctive winemaking regions so special. Each week, Michelle introduces you to a prominent woman and takes a peek inside her life. Welcome to today's Wine Country Women podcast. I'm Michelle Mandreau, and I'm talking with Ashley Trout, who will be featured in Wine Country Women of Willamette Valley and Walla Walla. Ashley is the owner and winemaker of Brook and Bull Cellar in Walla Walla. Ashley, thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. I am so looking forward to this conversation. You are like this rock star winemaker. You won the 40 under 40 with wine enthusiast, and you're just like this most amazing lady. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you. So let's jump right in. I want to know, first job ever, what was it? Yeah, it was teaching tennis to little kids on Saturdays and stringing tennis rackets. Oh my God. Okay, <laughs> I had no idea. Do you still play tennis today? I don't. I kind of burnt out early, but I'm I'm athletic. I I have you know I sort of I still move a lot, but tennis kind of is out. Fascinating. So you grew up on the East Coast, Washington D.C. You ventured out to the wild west to go to college in Walla Walla. Correct. And you never turned back. Correct. Wow. What is it about Walla Walla that captured your heart? Oh, gosh. Uh, So much, really. I was only in Walla Walla for one week before I started in the wine industry. So I've, I've really never experienced Walla Walla as not part of the wine industry. And I bring that up because what captured my heart being out here um, was certainly the the quaint sort of small town life and and everything is very easy and convenient and stress-free and and mellow. But but what really captured my heart was the fact that in 99, when I started in the wine industry here, it was, and, and still in many ways is, kind of the Wild West. And it's it's been this amazing time to be here. I think, I think with so many industries, you can look back at a certain decade or a certain time period where that was just the right place and the right time for that industry. You know, there was just this incredible growth, this explosive creativity, this sense of adventure and camaraderie. And, and that's exactly what was going on here and, and really still is. Um, and I loved that. I absolutely loved that. And so um, that's, that's what really looped me in for the long haul. You've never thought about making wine somewhere else? Sure. I mean, I think I think anybody who dedicates their life to being creative probably has creative thoughts late at night. You always think about what if, right? And there are pros and cons to being in a place in your 20s and, and staying there. There are no shortcuts to understanding a terroir, right? To right. understanding the personality of a region. You just have to be there and experience it for 
more than 30 seconds. And so I think there's a huge benefit to putting your roots down and becoming an expert in a location and in a in a terroir in a in a locale and its personality but kind of like they say don't don't get married too early because you always wonder (laughs) what (laughs) what else is out there right so you know late at night you do sort of have those thoughts so there there are pros and cons to everything um if I could wave a magic wand and just be in two places at, at once and and be be in Napa and and be in Sancerre and continue being in Mendoza, Argentina, where I worked eight vintages. Would I do that, all of those all at once? Yeah, absolutely. I sure would. Well, all we got to do is figure out how to clone you, right? We'll work on it. Before we dive deep into your career of winemaking, I have to mention you got a double major in anthropology and <laughs> what was the other degree that you got? <laughs> rhetoric yeah it's yeah. just sort of the art of arguing yeah who does that <laughs> what did I you think you com- wanted to be yeah I um what's funny is I found a way to combine both of those majors in a summer internship I interned at National Geographic you know very much all of those things combined right mm-hmm. how do you how do you sway people's opinion through speech and and writing and and then also the the anthropology part. And they sat me down at the beginning of my summer internship, and they said, "You're gonna have to you're gonna have to put all these photos into our system and sort of say like, you know, train Australia sunset, right?" And um, and I was stuck with this husband and wife scientist team who had passed away, and they had left their life's work to National Geographic, and the, all they did was photograph lichen, which is moss. Right. Oh my gosh. And so I spent three months at a, in a, what's it called? A, when you're in a box, a cubicle. Oh, I right. spent <laughs> three months in a cubicle just typing the words blue lichen. And I thought, <laughs> okay, never, never, never. Never again. And I had already, <laughs> no, I had already been in the wine industry and that, that spoke to me more, but it did, it took a a couple of years after graduating college for me to really realize and recognize that wine was a viable path for me. Um, because for me, it was just a fun thing to do, but I didn't, I didn't take it seriously as, as my path forward. Um, because it's, you know, growing up in DC, I think you're, the understanding is that you'll probably be in a city and everybody there was a doctor or a lawyer or an accountant or a professional or a politician, politician in some way, right. right? And and winemaking is a very different it's an it's an artist's job and life. It's it's all about how do you dedicate yourself to being creative. And that was not something I thought was a real option until I sort of realized that there was no real option outside of that type of work because that's who I am. And I, I'm one of those people who very much has to love what I do. Wine captured your heart. Yeah. You know, I would say more accurately wine making. I, there's, there's a, yeah, there, the job itself was a thing I just could not do enough. I just have always loved it. I love the visceral, you're dirty and you're physical and you're tapping into sort of this primal intelligence of sight and smell and taste. And 
and that's how you get through the day. And there's something so oddly fulfilling about that for me. Mm -hmm. And the, the sort of that mix of art and science and creativity and, and physical and the almost competition that you have with nature. And, and I say that hesitatingly because nature will always win. Right. right. But there is sort of this race against time of like, can I think on my toes quickly enough so that I can pace along with this moving target that is nature. And I love that challenge because it's not going to lie to you, right? Like if you couldn't keep up, that will be obvious. Well, it's, Nobody's going to sugarcoat it for you. And and I like that. And it, to some degree, it's unpredictable. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's exactly my point is right. that you can't plan it out ahead of time. So you've got to be there in the moment. And I think there's something so exhilarating about that type of art form and that that type of craft is that it's layers of chaos. <laughs> Describe an Ashley Trout wine. I really like not covering up anything. I like picking the right variety from the right vineyard at the right time so that you don't have to cover it in oak. Um, I really like picking a little bit on the early side so that it's got some nice acid. To me, balance is incredibly important. And so, um, you know, how do we, how do we balance acid with tannins, with sort of the bouquet and the phenolics and all of that and, and with mouthfeel? To me, balance is constantly the goal. And that, that balance winds up being different depending on the, the grape and the vintage. Um, but I think um, much like, you know, I, I have two kids and they're very different creatures and they were very different creatures from day one. Uh, I didn't make them different. They just are different. And grapes and, and vintages are, are very much like that. And so I think if you recognize, okay, where is the strength here? And how do we play to that and then and then get it balanced along along that zone? That's that's how I focus and, and make wines. Um, so honoring uh, my wines are not consistent from vintage to vintage, because what I really want to do is honor the best wine that I can make with with what that was, not try to homogenize very different vintages. Let's talk a little bit now about your winemaking career. You established a brand called Flying Trout Wines, and then you sold it. <laughs> Why? So my last name is Trout, Trout, and I was flying between Argentina and Walla Walla and, and working in both spots. And so it was a very literal naming. And right. I started Flying Trout when I was 24, and I sold it when I was 28 and stayed on as the winemaker for about five more years. And I don't regret any of those movements. What There was so much that I learned from a business perspective, having started a winery at age 24, on how I'd love to set it up differently later. And it, it's a little bit hard to reconfigure that. It's almost easier to to start fresh. But in addition to that, I wanted to, to have a family. And I thought at the time, and I still think, that it 
would have been unbelievably difficult to have a young brand and a young baby. And so selling that brand enabled me to not only go have a couple of kids, but also start fresh later, having learned the lessons that I had learned on how, how I wanted to do it differently. So that's what I did. That, I think that was smart. It worked out very well. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was good. You were ready to start a new brand. You didn't want to use the same name, so you came up with something else creative. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I mean, those those guys paid good money to, to buy that brand. So the last thing I wanted to do was make them re- regret that and, and sort of name it the same thing all over again. But I do think it's very important that um, there are so few women winemakers and there are even fewer winery owners who are women. And right. so if you're one of those, I think it's so important to set the set the stage for for future I wouldn't say future generations because I certainly hope it doesn't take that long but for future ladies um to stick your stick your stamp on it you know get your name on it be loud and proud and um and so I wanted to find a way to sort of sneak the trout name into it uh and brook and bull cellars is exactly that so brook trout and bull trout are two kinds of trout uh so it's sort of a fun play on words and a, a way to get it on there and, and be loud and proud, but but not ruffle too many local feathers. You brought up a topic that I want to ask a question about, and that is, what advantage do you think women winemakers have? So many. So, Let's talk so, about them. So many. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that the highs are higher and the lows are lower. So I, I don't think it's... Um, a very simple equation. And what I mean by that is, um, you know, I think, I think when we started, it was a lot, our default when we got new customers was kind of this like pity purchase of two bottles. Right. And I think when you see a lot of men start their own labels, uh, uh, for whatever reasons, and that's a whole different podcast, I feel like there isn't sort of that, I'm not going to say self-doubt because it wasn't self, it was doubt, you know, it was others doubt in the legitimacy of, of whether this was a real winery or I was a real winemaker. So right. that's, that's the negative. And, and then it wasn't until we got a bunch of accolades uh, and, and people who had our wine year after year that they recognize like it's legitimate, right? And right. and they come in and they buy six bottles or twelve bottles and everything is easier. Um but but on the flip side, I think that there are all sorts of publications. Yours is a great example, um, that are really reaching out to women. I think it's um a lot easier to find press for a winery if you are a female winemaker or a female who owns their winery. And um, while I think that's a silly reason to find press because it's not really focused on the wine itself, um, I'll take it because there are all sorts of negatives that, that come along with it. And so if it's sort of this weird net neutral, that's fine. 
I can't speak to other regions, but what I have experienced here locally is that at a young age, I was able to get my foot in the door at a lot of prestigious vineyards that I would not have otherwise if I hadn't have been female, just because you've got some farmer out there who has a daughter. Right. Right. And, and that farmer wants this crap to stop mm-hmm. and we got to get a move on. Right. And, and I was the, the beneficiary of that time in that place and, and happy to be so. So those are pretty potent ways in which being a female is huge. Top moment of your career so far? Oh, gosh. Um, you know, I, that's an interesting question. I don't, I don't usually think of it as a career. I think of the wines as a craft, but um, th- I would say certainly over the last 24 months, it's been a wild, awesome ride. Uh, you know, the, the wine enthusiast top 40 under 40 that you mentioned was great. And then um, uh, wine business monthly, Name me one of the top most, uh, what was it? It was the top 20 um, most, I can't even remember, influential people or something like that. And then um, we had a wine and spirits named us the winery to watch. And it was just like back to back to back. We were in Forbes and um, the New York Times. And it, yeah, it was the Rob Report. It was just all all in a span of, it was it was just this explosion. So that was cumulatively pretty fun. Learn more about the women who live in wine country when you purchase one of our lifestyle books at winecountrywomen.com. You know you love wine, and with Total Wine & More, you'll always drink interesting. Total Wine & More has a ridiculously large selection of over 8,000 wines. From California to Australia, Bordeaux to Argentina, All the best wine regions in the world can be found in their aisles. Whether you're looking for a rare vintage or something fun and quaffable, Total Wine & More is the place for those who know wine. I think it's a perfect time to shift to talk about your personal life. So let's go in that direction. Do you live in the Walla Walla area? I do. Yeah, I live in Walla Walla. Why did you choose to live and work there? It's been such a fascinating journey of watching this industry explode here specifically um and i i kind of it's a combination of not wanting to miss out on the next stage of things and also i think wine is an extremely detailed thing to make. There are so few things that are quantifiable about it that you just have to understand the personality of, of, a, of a region. And so I wouldn't want to live in Red Mountain and have your winery in Walla Walla or... I don't know. I just feel like that would be disingenuous to who I am and what my journey has, has been. So if we took a step inside your home... What would we see? Minimal. Okay, what's your color scheme? <laughs> a lot of whites and grays and wood and plants. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I grew up in sort of this wild, chaotic setting, and my dad was kind of a pack rat, so I don't own things. 
Okay, that's good. What's your favorite room in your house? Oh, the fireplace. I know that's not a room, but the fireplace. I just find a way to be by the fireplace a lot or the breezeway. So we've got this big breezeway with couches and the whole thing. So depending on the season, it's either one or the other. Do you have a hobby or is there something that you collect or do you speak a second language? Is there something people might be surprised to learn about you? I speak a few languages. I speak Japanese, Spanish, and English. But um, wow, <laughs> yeah, my my previous life that I've always sort of managed to keep slightly interwoven is pottery. So I, um, throughout high school and college, that was my other just total absolute addiction. And um, pottery and tennis. This is fascinating. Yeah, none of it goes together. Um, <laughs> no, yeah, ten- tennis was sort of imposed upon me, but um, pottery and winemaking make a, a lot of, they have a lot in common. It's a lot of chemistry and dirt and physicality uh, and, and art. But yeah, it's pot- pottery would be my answer to that. You married a winemaker. I have to ask, do you guys have a friendly competition when it comes <laughs> to making wine? Yeah, you know, it's it's a fine it's a fine balance. It's an intricate balance. Um I think where where there's no balance at all is that I 100% do not want him to come into my cellar and tell me how to make my wine. Uh and vice versa. You know, I don't want him to change the radio station. I don't want him to move the tank. I don't want him to mess with my stuff. (laughs) Um, And he feels the same way about me. But we value each other's palates a lot. Um, But I think what a lot of winemakers, but certainly my husband and I share in common, is sort of a combination of not only really appreciating the final product and wanting to be proud of the final product but we both really enjoy the task if that makes any sense we enjoy the process the process it's fun do you ever put your wines up against one another we have different styles he tends to um he tends to pick a little bit later and he um he tends to not be his wines tend to be slightly more tannic and he tends to use a little bit more oak. So there, there are differences okay. for sure. And um, I think he's got a great palate. I think he's a great winemaker and I, and he feels the same about me. Have you ever talked about collaborating on a project? No, 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 <laughs> no. no, no. <laughs> okay. That's not in the future. No. Uh, one more thing I'd like to talk about before we kind of wrap things up, and that is you have a fabulous initiative with a separate wine brand that you created called Vital. Yes. Let's talk about that because it's really making a difference in your community. So Vital is a nonprofit winery for better access to health care for vineyard and cellar workers. And we have gone through a couple of different iterations of, of what that means. So when we first started, um, 100% of our profits went to a local open door clinic, which was a bilingual free, no questions asked healthcare clinic. And then um, once the coronavirus hit, we started a program called A Day at Home, where we 
fundraised to be able to hand cash out to vineyard workers who wanted to stay at home for a day or five days if somebody had tested positive on their crew. Because these aren't jobs you can call into from home. You can't work remotely. Um, And a lot of these people share cars to get to work. So even though the job itself is outdoors, there's a lot of crossover and, and a lot of people live with each other. So that was that was a big thing. And now what we're doing is we've started a texting program here locally to be able to um, send information out about vaccine clinics that are popping up so that the Latino population here locally is able to access those clinics uh, as quickly as any of the English speaking communities. Because they're right now we're at a stage where everything's filling up so quickly that every minute counts, right? And so right. how do you get that that information translated quickly enough that they're not once again at a disadvantage? So those those are kind of the things we're working on. This upcoming year, we're working to hire a, something called a Promotores de Salud program. So it's a person that goes out into the community and figures out how do we find ways to do preventative medicine within these communities so that things don't escalate. So maybe that's getting a woman into a woman's shelter for a night. Maybe that's getting somebody food. Maybe that's teaching somebody about arthritis or diabetes, right? So those are kind of the initiatives we've been working on with Vital Wines. But but Vital's been a really cool project. We get pretty much everything donated, grapes, corks, capsules, labels, you name it. And then 100% of the profits go towards these different initiatives, depending on what's needed. Great. Wonderful initiative and wonderful way to give back to your community. I applaud you. Thank you. Thanks. It's it's been um, it's been good. Ashley, we're gonna wrap things up with five quick questions. They're really really lighthearted. You ready? Oh, oh yes. All right. <laughs> what kind of car do you drive? A Ford Explorer. What's your favorite flower? Peonies. What's your favorite holiday? Thanksgiving. I love food. When it's time for dessert, what do you grab for? Always chocolate. And what is one of your all-time favorite movies? (laughs) You know, we've been watching a lot of kids' movies since our children were born, and I really love The Incredibles, which is sort of a fun take on feminism. So I'm going to, I'm sort of stuck in the moment of where I am right now, and I'm going to say The Incredibles. It's all good. I like it. Ashley, thank you so much for your time today. It's been fun. Thank you, Michelle. I had a good time. Visit winecountrywomen.com to join our exclusive list so you can be the first to learn about upcoming offers and events. Grab a glass and join us next week for a new edition of Wine Country Women.